Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in film, Devin, and today we're here to present our review of Yorgos Lanthimos's Poor Things. And before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and threads at FilmOptics, or you can email us at FilmOptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Devin, what's going on? How's life? How you been? Man, this is the last week of work for me, so just really trying to power through it. Got the rest of the year off. Oh, wow. Look at you. That that PTO did not go used much throughout the year, so I got to try to cram it in at the end, but it seems like a pretty common occurrence. Yeah. Is it use or lose for you guys? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's how it is for us as well. So I... I, I kind of already took more time off for Thanksgiving than I did for Christmas. But, you know, I next week I have work. And then I think I'm off like the 20th through the 26th, something like that. Can't really remember, but that's really nice. So this is your, your last week of uh, work for, for the year. I might have to try that out this coming up year because I've never really experienced that before. So... I just, you know, I try to use my PTO sparingly, but I feel like everyone and like every company always tries to get like the end of the year off um, or around like Thanksgiving as well. But I, I think next year I'm going to try to hit it all for Christmas instead of Thanksgiving because I think I put a little bit more focus on Thanksgiving this year <laughs> than Christmas. But I'm glad that it is your last week of work for the year. That is awesome. Uh, for those out there listening, uh, we are going to be giving our spoiler-free thoughts on Poor Things. So this film is set to hit theaters in the United States on December 22nd. I know there's a lot of different release dates for this movie. There's not like a definitive release date because this did premiere at the Venice Film Festival on September 1st. And then I believe it was supposed to hit theaters in the U.S. on December 8th, the same weekend as The Boy and the Heron. But then they pushed it to December 22nd. And United Kingdom, our our cousins across the ponds, they're not going to be able to see this movie until January 12th of 2024. And that is... Pretty normal for UK releases. They get things very late over there, and I, I, it, it really sucks. I, I feel for them. That that really does blow because it's like, you know, the rest of the world have, has seen it, and you're sitting here twiddling your thumbs, like, well, you know, I guess I'll just wait for this movie to uh, hit my local theater. But as we said before, this is going to be a spoiler-free review. Of poor things. This film is rated R. Um, there's, it's it's crazy to say the least. It is insane. It is it is everything. Uh, it's comedy. It's drama. There's romance. There's everything about this movie. And without further delay, we'll be right back after this introduction to 
poor things. These two are fighting and ideas are banging around in Bella's head and heart like lights in a storm. Oh. You're always reading now, Bella. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we. Apparently, according to Emerson, disagreed with by Harry. Come, come, just come. You were in my son. What? And we are back with our Poor Things review. Again, this is a spoiler-free review of the film. And this film is directed by the one, the only, Yorgos Lanthimos. And writers include Tony McNamara and Alasseter Gray. And stars Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Emma Stone. There's... It's, it's, it's a pretty stacked cast here, I, I would definitely say. Uh, Ramsey Youssef as well. So we're just going to kind of dive straight on into it again. We're not going to be giving any spoiler plots or details away with this film. Um, I would not watch this film with children at all. Like we said, this is rated R. But yeah, don't, don't watch this with kids in the room at all. Because it is... If you know... Yorgos Lanthimos's his style of directing um, and his stories that he uh, creates it's it's never simple, but it is pretty darn good. So I'm gonna pass it over to Devin so we can give his initial reactions, his spoiler-free thoughts to poor things. Yeah, uh, going into this one, um, I think we both have become. Um, fans of Yorgos Lanthimos's work over the over the years, specifically when I think we may have covered the favorite, and that was definitely um, one of one of our favorites of that year. Um, I had also seen The Lobster, which was also a good one. I've yet to see The Killing of a Sacred Deer, but that is definitely on the list because I've watched heard good things about that that one, and that's also a Barry Keoghan one. So that's definitely got some potential there. But when it comes to Yorgos. You kind of know what to expect with a Yorgos movie, and that is the unexpected. Like, you just you just never know what's going to happen in these movies, and I think that's part of the charm and part of what makes them so entertaining. Because this movie is just a wild ride from start to finish. I think Emma Stone's performance here—it's probably the best of her career. Like, she just goes all out and completely transforms herself. Um, I don't know. Did you see the, I think it's Variety that does those actors on actors interviews. Did you see the Emma Stone Bradley Cooper one? I have not. I need to go through the, the new slate of um, of those as well as the directors on directors. But um, yeah, the, I need to watch that one as well. Yeah, I've been making my way through them and the Emma Stone Bradley Cooper one was really, really good, especially if you enjoyed poor things. Like she goes into some details about how this movie was made and, and what their thought processes were and kind of the background on some of the practical effects versus the visual effects and it's just all so interesting and she's just in that interview i think i came away with the fact that she might be the most charming person on earth like just seeing her sitting there just talking to bradley cooper you can tell they're friends and that's one of the cool parts and just her sense of humor and her just overall charm it just comes right through the screen and that just makes it so much more entertaining to watch and i think she mentioned that they started creating this movie um right after the we're done filming the favorite, so around 2017 is when they started to make this movie. So it's been like six years in the process for this one. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, okay. so they kind of been building this movie and building out this character since then, and that's why you can kind of 
feel this character has so many levels to her because I think that she said they literally had like six different versions of the main character, Bella Baxter, like kind of like the six, six different ages that she's at throughout the movie where her brain is literally developing as the movie goes. And she just has different vocabulary and different language throughout the movie. And for her to, to have that all in her head and all sorted out to, in order to film a movie and, and do it well at every stage, every part of the movie, it's just so impressive to watch. And also Mark Ruffalo's role in this one is amazing. <laughs> like I, I watched his, speaking of actors and actors, I watched the Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo one as well. Cause obviously those guys are buddies, you know, it's going to be a good one. And he mentioned that he had never had a role where he can just be kind of not the good guy where he's kind of, he's kind of a douche in a way. And this character kind of let him, let him spread his wings out and try to something new because everyone knows Mark Ruffalo is probably a nice guy in real life. And Emma Stone, Emma Stone mentioned that while they were shooting that he would do these terrible things in the scene and then turn around and just start, start apologizing. Like, I can't believe I can't believe I just said that. What, what am I doing? <laughs> it's just kind of how he is as a person. So it's cool to see that, that type of character for him. And I think he just nailed it. Like one of his best performances too, because he was just so funny throughout the entire movie. It was his character was just hilariously sad and entertaining throughout the entire movie. And as far as the story goes, it's very interesting. Kind of just takes you through life. It's like a life introspective for what it feels like. I imagine to be a young lady just navigating throughout this world and, and how it feels to, to learn something new and try to try to navigate the world where there's things happening that you, you just can't control. And there's just so much things that you don't know. And then when you do figure these things out, it's when you start to grow and become more of the human that you actually want to be. And I think that's just kind of a, cool way to go about and it's just a wild ride like literally throughout the entire movie there's just so much going on there's so much it's definitely rated r i'm curious to see if there's anything they had to cut to get to rated r because there's a lot a lot of rated r-ness in this one yeah i'm actually surprised that this film isn't necessarily like uh nc-17 but at the same time i feel like it is fine for its rated r viewing but um going off what Devin said, I definitely agree. I think this is, you know, we've, we've loved Emma Stone since super bad and we've seen her skills in action when it comes to, you know, something kind of similar as the favorite for, um, when we're talking about poor things, but from like, my gosh, like super, um, from super bad Spider-Man, things of that nature. Um, even La La Land, it's like we've seen we've seen Emma Stone grow into like this phenomenal actor and she is willing to do anything and everything. She puts her best foot forward when it comes to her performances. And I think this film will definitely be like one like the like, hey, you know, we're, we're talking about Emma Stone. Gosh, I don't know, 20, 25 years, 30 years 40 years down the line, it's like, man, she was great in poor things. And like Devin said, it is rated R. So, you know, it, there, there's a lot of graphic like language and whatnot, but when you had mentioned that, you know, they started working on this, or at least the concept of this film, 
uh, right at soon after they finish the favorite, I think that checks out because I think that Emma Stone is po- quite possibly the only actor that I know, the only American actor that I know who can pull off a British accent like wholeheartedly. Like, it doesn't sound fake. It doesn't sound, like, phony. Like, because, we, you know, we've seen her skills when it came to, the um, not the lobster, but the favorite. And I was like, man, she it, it sounds like she has a great freaking, like, uh, you know, British accent. But in this film, you know, when it comes to just the cinematography alone, um, outside of, like, the actual story that's unfolding on screen... The cinematography also shows like its own little story because the beginning of this film, you know, it is more of a uh, simple introduction to Bella Baxter and um, the it's it's in black and white. So it's kind of like the the infancy of this character. And, you know, when when someone is, quote unquote, born, you know, they're they're as clean as a whistle. And, you know, they've, they've done no wrong. They're, they are just this this gray canvas, this blank canvas that they will soon, you know, come into their own self-awareness, which we see throughout the film. And like Devin said, I didn't realize it was like six stages of Bella Baxter's journey, but it definitely seems that way um, now that I think about it more. But this, the cinematography was just so freaking beautiful. Yeah, like some, some of these sets, like... Like I forgot what town they were, what city they were in, but it was somewhere. I think it might have been somewhere near London or somewhere in Europe. But it just looked so insane. And she mentioned that the entire city that they were wandering through was all practical. Like they they created those sets, and that she would actually get she would actually get lost like walking through. Like, and she said it was like a she was like she said it was like a forty five minute walk to get from one end to the other. And that's just insane to think about that they built that. Same thing with the hotel lobby and everything like that, and the uh, the cruise ships. Like it's just all it just all looks so well made. It does, and you know what? With you know Emma Stone playing off the riff of Mark Ruffalo, like you said, you know we don't really get to see Mark Ruffalo be um, maybe not necessarily a villain, but he's definitely an an antagonist for Bella Baxter. His character's name is uh, Duncan Wetterburn. So I know that was his last name, Wetterburn. Yeah. <laughs> Waterburn, <laughs> um, along along with like uh, uh, Rami Youssef, played by uh, his character's name is Max, and of course Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I think this I think this was his like first movie role. I know he has his own show called Nami. I don't, but I think this might have been like his first movie role, and he was he was impressive. Uh, yeah, uh, looks like he's in Mr. Robot. At least that's what it says on IMDb. Yes, TV. Oh, you meant for film? I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, he killed it. Like everyone in in this film, when it comes to even the the smallest of roles, they play such a big impact for Bella as she is. You know, it's it's almost like you know, it's kind of like coming of age for her. Um, you know, we don't want to give anything away because it definitely um, it, it ruins the surprise, obviously, but. Knowing what we know, it puts things into perspective, and the the journey that Bella takes, you know, it's it is a meaningful, it is a vulgar but meaningful one altogether. Um, 
I know some people aren't super crazy about this film because of the context of like sex positive, sexual empowerment. You know, I feel like from what I've read, I think a few people feel like it's leaning more towards that. But that's not even really why I like the film, Um, because I thought the writing was hilarious. The bickering between Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo back and forth and even like Willem Dafoe's character, like when those three kind of just like get into it, especially uh, Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo, it is some of the best like written banter I've seen all year. And with this film, I didn't, I didn't know that I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this film all that much, but like, this is a rare occasion of a film where it feels like something new and fresh that we have never seen before. And I hope people go see this in theaters when it comes out on December 22nd. If you're a big Emma Stone fan, um, Mark Ruffalo, um, it, it kind of felt like, fan. uh, like a modern reimagining of Frankenstein. Like there's obviously Yo, yeah. that comparison and that's what it felt like. For it's also sure. just one of those, it's one of those movies we, we always talk about where it's one of those movies where after it's over, the more you think about it, the more you like it. And that's definitely what happened with this one. 100%. And yeah, like everyone I've talked to for the most part that has seen it thus far outside of us has has really enjoyed it. And it's it is it's in my top 10 of, of the year. Like this this movie is awesome. And, you know, when when I went to go see it with my critics group here in town, they just they just ate it up. Like like you said, Devin, you know, there is the Frankenstein um, aspect to it. But there's so much more like there's so many more layers like i guess you could say it's like you know bride of frankenstein but it's also like this movie is like different from anything else that emma's ever done between like the help easy a things of that nature and it's like it's it's crazy you know she's been in so many zombie land double tap it's like she she's been in so many different um she she has a very diverse portfolio of films that she's been in and it just I I love it how she's able to just go for it like hey you know we're, we're, we're gonna you know do this super crazy weird thing she's worked with Yorgos before within the favorite which is definitely one of my favorite uh, films uh, of hers and it's like man you really just you, you feel the vibes of of the favorite and she was also in that one limited series wasn't she with um oh my gosh from super bad jonah hill it was like a netflix limited series do you know what i'm talking about we watched it i don't know if we covered it yet or not or altogether i want to say it was called like maniac or something i think that's what it was called yeah maniac yeah yeah i don't think i ever ended up finishing it oh it was crazy Devin. it was insane but even with like Cruella, you know, she was in that a few years ago and it's like, man. Yeah. She had also mentioned that the writer of this one also wrote the favorite in Cruella. So they had that familiarity and they had worked together. So that's why some of this dialogue just felt so right for her and they couldn't work together to create this character. Yeah. And, you know, I can go on and on about how great this movie is, but like, yeah, in a way it is like, it's kind of like Bride of Frankenstein or Frankenstein itself meets like a coming of age film in a 
and, and in an unexpected way, I, I, I can only say that. It, the, the raunchiest coming of age. Literally. This is, this is probably the horniest movie of the year, and I don't think anyone expected that. I didn't expect this at all. I didn't know where, where this movie was, was going to be. And, you know, like we said, the farther you get into Bella's journey, the more colorful it becomes. And it almost feels like an A24 film, but it has that fi- finality towards the end. And there's like maybe one section where I might have shaved off like a few minutes, but we'll talk about that off air. Um, it's like maybe the it's closer towards the end, but something kind of like abruptly comes up and you're like, oh, OK, so let's go do this. And then that I feel like that portion takes a little bit long when you know there's a surprise guest that comes into the mix. But let's get in. Actually, I'm, I do apologize. But Devin, was there anything else you wanted to mention that we have not been able to cover here today? I know we've been all over the place here talking about some Emma Stone and her amazing career and, you know, the the fantastic performances these artists have been giving. But is there, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get into our final thoughts and our ratings? Love the makeup on Willem Dafoe's character, Dr. Godwin Baxter. Just looked crazy. Like, his face was just jacked up and it was perfect perfect uh role for good old willem defoe because he loves these these interesting semi-crazy but also a bit of heart in them like perfect for him um but yeah yeah all the yeah willem defoe did he he's he's willing to take on anything as well and it's like we've seen him in the most craziest roles and it's like he he kills it every time like it's it's insane but this movie man i cannot wait to, uh, to pick this one up on Blu-ray. It needs to come sooner rather than later. But let's get into our final thoughts and our ratings of Poor Things. I'm going to pass it back over to Devin so he can give his final thoughts and ratings on this film. Yeah, final thoughts. This movie is a wild ride. Um, like I said before, Yoga's Lanthimos, you need to expect the unexpected, and that's exactly what you get here. Um, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy two-hour, 21 minutes from start to finish. There's just a lot going on. It's a very interesting character study. Might be Emma Stone's best performance of her career. I know she's getting a lot of Oscar love, and she might end up coming away with the win. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I'd say as far as the score goes, I'd probably go with like an 87. Like you said, there are some parts where it is a bit long, and there's just a lot going on. Like There's a lot to digest in this one. Um, so I think that kind of goes into that. But overall, it's a, it's a very, very good movie. Definitely one of the better of the year. No, definitely. And, you know, for pretty much what everything um, Devin has said about this film, I, I would give it just like a solid 90 out of 100. Um, you know, just I, I just have a few small little issues. It's really just um, a little bit of the pacing towards the end. But I, I feel like if I went back and watched it again, I'm going to have like a totally different outlook because this is without a doubt within like my top 10 of the year. Um, easily, I I don't know if this is a more bigger surprise than Godzilla because, you know, with Godzilla, we kind of know what we're going to get, but I didn't know what I was going to get with this film. And like I said before, it, this feels like a fresh new idea of something that we, like, you know, from premises that premises that it pulls from, but the story itself, I feel like we've, we've never seen anything like it before. And it just... It really just got to me. I was like, wow, this is 
incredible. Like this is an incredible movie. I love the messaging, you know, the writing, the the dialogue, the cinematography, the performances. Like it's all there for me. <laughs> and I definitely want to check out Yorgos's uh, other line of work and um, for the Lobster and uh, that other film that you had mentioned as well. But yeah, I would just give it a solid ninety out of a hundred because. Man, this is just easily one of the best movies of the year, and you know I don't feel, I feel like we don't really get movies like this, um, like new experiences like this where it's like you're walking away saying, "Man, I really enjoyed that." That was like literally unlike anything else I've seen this year. Like literally, this movie is like the biggest surprise probably for me. I will I will say. So let's get into the official podcast score. So. Devin gave it an 87, correct? Yep. And I gave it a 90. So the official podcast score for Poor Things here on the Film Optics Podcast is going to be an 88.5 out of 100, which I think is a pretty darn good score. So with all that said, that does conclude today's episode. If you like what you heard on today's episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform of choice, and make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Film Optics. That is Optics with an X. And don't forget to share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other. Spread the love for the Film Optics podcast with a movie lover in need. And now let's take a sneak peek of what you can listen to right now on the show. As of right now, you can listen to our The Boy and the Heron review, as well as our Godzilla Minus One review, and our The Holdovers review, just to name a few. And for upcoming releases, uh, we are going to try our darndest to either cover Wonka and or Aquaman 2. Uh, Definitely want us to uh, cover the color purple, if anything. I think that at least in my opinion, takes precedent over Wonka and Aquaman 2. But we will let you know. This is going to be the last episode prior to the holiday break because Devin and I have, you know, everyone's got to spend time with their family sometimes. So this is going to be the last episode uh, prior to um, our Christmas break, the the holiday break altogether. And then um, I believe you might have time for like maybe like one more review before the end of the year. Maybe maybe one or two. We might be able to squeeze in at least two more. But this is going to be last review pre-Christmas. Pre-holidays. And then we'll be back after the holidays for sure. But with all that said, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads for the latest updates on all those social media garbage. That was Devin, and I'm Christian, signing off. And remember, life is like a movie. So go out there and make it a blockbuster. Peace.